Letter fifty one of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty one. My dearest lady, what a task have you imposed upon me? And according to the terms you annex to it, how shall I acquit myself of it without incurring the censure of affectation if I freely accuse myself as I may deserve, or of vanity if I do not? Indeed, madam, I have a great many failings, and you don't know the pain it costs me to keep them under, not so much for fear the world should see them, for I bless God I can hope they are not capital, as for fear they should become capital if I were to let them grow upon me. And this, surely, I need not have told your ladyship and the Countess of C., who have read my papers, and seen my behaviour in the kind visit you made to your dear brother, and had from both but too much reason to censure me, did not your generous and partial favour make you overlook my greater failings, and pass under a kinder name many of my lesser, for surely, my good ladies, you must both of you have observed in what you have read and seen that I am naturally of a saucy temper, and with all my appearance of meekness and humility can resent, and sting too, when I think myself provoked. I have also discovered in myself on many occasions, of some of which I will by and by remind your ladyship, a malignancy of heart that, it is true, lasts but a little while, nor had it need, but for which I have often called myself to account, to very little purpose hitherto. And indeed, madam, now for a little extenuation, as you expect from me, I have some difficulty whether I ought to take such pains to subdue myself in some instances, in the station to which I am raised, that otherwise it would have become me to attempt to do, for it is no easy task for one of my circumstances to distinguish between the ought and the ought not, to be humble without meanness, and decent without arrogance. And if all persons thought as justly, as I flatter myself I do, of the inconveniences as well as conveniences which attend their being raised to a condition above them, they would not imagine all the world was their own when they came to be distinguished as I have been. For what with the contempts of superior relations on one side, the envy of the world, and low reflections arising from it on the other, from which no one must hope to be totally exempted, and the awkwardness, besides, with which they support their elevated condition, if they have sense to judge of their own imperfections, and if the gentleman be not such an one as mine, and where will such another be found? On all these accounts, I say, they will be made sensible that, whatever they might once think happiness and an high estate, are two very different things. But I shall be too grave, when your ladyship and all my kind and noble friends expect, perhaps, I should give the uncommon subject a pleasanter air. Yet what must that mind be, that is not serious, when obliged to recollect and give account of its defects? But I must not only accuse myself, it seems, I must give proofs, such as your ladyship can subscribe to, of my imperfections. There is so much real kindness in this seeming hardship that I will obey you, madam, and produce proofs in a moment which cannot be controverted. As to my sauciness, 
those papers will give an hundred instances against me as well to your dear brother as to others indeed to extenuate as you command me as i go along these were mostly when i was apprehensive for my honour they were and then i have a little tincture of jealousy which sometimes has made me more uneasy than i ought to be as the papers you have not seen would have demonstrated particularly in miss godfrey's case and in my conversation with your ladyships in which i have frequently betrayed my fears of what might happen when in london yet to extenuate again i have examined myself very strictly on this head and really think that i can ascribe a great part of this jealousy to laudable motives no less than to my concern for your dear brother's future happiness in the hope that i may be a humble means through providence to induce him to abhor those crimes of which young gentlemen too often are guilty and bring him over to the practice of those virtues in which he will ever have cause to rejoice yet my lady some other parts of the charge must stand against me for as i love his person as well as his mind i have pride in my jealousy that would not permit me i verily think to support myself as i ought under trial of a competition in this very tender point and this obliges me to own that i have a little spark not a little one perhaps of secret pride and vanity that will arise now and then on the honours done me but which i keep under as much as i can and to this pride let me tell your ladyship i know no one contributes or can contribute more largely than yourself so you see my dear lady what a naughty heart i have and how far i am from being a faultless creature i hope i shall be better and better however as i live longer and have more grace and more wit for here to recapitulate my faults is in the first place vindictiveness i will not call it downright revenge and how much room do all these leave for amendment and greater perfection had your ladyship and the countess favoured us longer in your kind visit i must have so improved by your charming conversations and by that natural ease and dignity which accompany everything your ladyships do and say as to have got over such of these foibles as are not rooted in nature till in time i had been able to do more than emulate those perfections which at present i can only at an awful distance revere as becomes my dear ladies your most humble admirer and obliged servant p b end of letter fifty one